All right, welcome to the Gospel for Life, your favorite radio show in your morning commute. I am Josh Bells from the Well Church around the table today. Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Day Spring Reformed Church. Brother, so glad you're here. It is good to start this day together with those listeners. Yeah. Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale Reformed Church. Glad you're here today. Good morning. Glad to be here. And then Pastor Ryan Hempo, one of our special guest hosts from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. Glad you're here, brother. Glad to be here. Thank you. Well, we are actually in the studio live today. Uh, we just got off of our Reformation Boise Conference, and we are going to talk about um, a survey that Ligonier Ministries releases. Um, they actually do this every two years. It's called the State of Theology. You can actually go back to their archives back in 2014 and find past survey results. They survey approximately 3,000 Americans on um, theological statements, which they can either agree or disagree with. Now this survey, you can actually take for yourself. You can test your own theology against the Bible. Isn't that fun? Yeah, do it in a Bible study group. Yeah. yeah. How did you do on that survey? <laughs> You know what? I always do pretty well. Yeah, I do pretty well. So pretty fun stuff. So this year's survey was just released, and um, some of the questions I think are pretty good. Uh, some of them I think are pretty disturbing. So should we jump into it? The, I think the, all the, the questions, questions are fine. Yes, yeah, the yeah, questions right. are, are yeah. fine. Yeah. 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 Good clarification. Questions are fine. The answer, some of the answers are disturbing. All right, so um, the responses... But, before you know, one of the things that we need to point out, um, you know, when we say it's disturbing, there's there's certain trends, and one of the things that um, it seems like when we talk about morals and ethics, um, evangelical Christians generally agree. But when it when we're talking about uh, the doctrine of God, when we're trying to understand who He is. People are not very clear on what we would call doctrine, the things to be believed, behavior they're in agreement with, which kind of goes to the point that, um, you know, somebody called it moral (laughs) moral therapeutic deism. Mm -hmm. You know, the the idea of, you know, morals they get, um, you know, how they feel about things, feeling like God is somehow exists. That part they get, but when it really comes down to what does the Bible say, um, they're a little foggy on that. Yeah. Well, they start out with uh, the doctrine of God right away. Statement number one uh, says, God is a perfect being and cannot make a mistake. Uh, Now, 96% of evangelicals strongly agreed with that statement, praise God, because that's 100% true. But then when we get to statement four, uh, which says that God learns and adapts to different circumstances, uh, 29% of evangelicals agreed. So in the first statement, they believe that God is perfect, but then in the the fourth statement, 30% of evangelicals basically said, well, yeah, God probably learns. So what what's going on here? Can God be perfect and then learn at the same time? The short answer is just no. Um, but there was a teaching that came probably roughly 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it all runs together in my head, um, where there were some evangelical theologians that were teaching that that God does learn. Um, it's called open theism. Mm-hmm. Um, did a whole bunch of damage um, to people understanding of the doctrine of God. And so sometimes um, the problem isn't just the sheep. Um, the problem is the shepherds. Um, this person taught at a at a, at a university and and had some prominence and 
was well read and mm. he people were reading him and so there is a reason why some of these data points change yeah and it's because sometimes there's just poor teaching um and so we're not helping he was trying to wrestle with why are bad things happening yeah and so i think his heart was good i think he was his intent was fine um but his teaching was terrible and so it, I think that contributes to some of this misunderstanding. But the end of the day is that God is a perfect being. And I think part mm-hmm. of it is that God is outside of time. Mm-hmm. And so those that think that God can learn are actually sticking God in time. God doesn't have a past and a future. Yeah, God is. So he can't learn because he's already experienced everything. Right. And so we are trying to impose human constructs onto God himself, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, and I think that last part there is, is important too, because you could read, I mean, there are some parts in the Old Testament where you read that without a full view of everything that the Bible teaches us, and you could come away thinking, oh, did God not know? You know, like God walking in the garden asking Adam, where are you, basically? Um, or Calling the Tower of Bab- Babel mm-hmm. saying, let us go down and see what's going on here. I mean... But we have to remember in those instances that those are written for our benefit. Yeah, it's written from in human an, an, point an, of view, anthropomorphic language. Right. So it's God didn't it, learn anything in those instances. Right. He already knew it. The, you know, we can't we can't put that at odds with the clear statements of God's word. For instance, right. I, Isaiah forty six nine and ten uh, says, "For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me." Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Uh, that's, a, that's a very clear statement in the Old Testament about the immutability of God and his mm-hmm. knowing all things. Yeah, mm-hmm. But I think sometimes even going back, circling back to what Ryan was saying, there's some language of scripture that would make you think that God is learning, so right. that, that God changes his mind. Um, the phraseologies when it's he's responding to the prayers of his people, and so I think you you do have to step back and say, well, what is the, that passage teaching us? Mm-hmm. It's not teaching us that God was unaware, that God needed knowledge, that God somehow needed wisdom, that God had an uh, uh, aha moment where he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have thought of that. Good thing you prayed that because otherwise I would have done something else. Right? No. Go ahead, Josh. Well, the principle of Scripture is the analogy of faith, that we have to you know, um, compare Scripture with Scripture. So when we come to a hard place like that, mm-hmm. we don't just cast it aside and say, well, I don't want to deal with that. We have to say, okay, where uh, in other places of Scripture would, would we find clarity here? Um, mm-hmm. And there's very clear propositional language. I, the Lord, do not change. I'm not like a man. I do not change my mind. Or you have to interpret those kind of narratives in that light. And so then you have to circle back to those passages, like right. Ryan was saying, and mm-hmm. the the one about prayer, and say, well, what is God teaching? Why is that in Scripture like it is? Yeah. And I think that at least the ones where it says that God changes His mind, especially in response to the prayers of His people, those are teaching us how much God has ordained means, and how much God cares about His people, that He desires that type of communion and fellowship, and in some ways, the, the the idea in those passages is that not so much that God's mind has been changed, 
but that our wills are becoming aligned to his. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, one more statement. I, I hope we have enough time for it. Statement number two says, there is one true God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, amen. 96% of evangelicals strongly agreed, so good news. But then we get to statement six, which says that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God, and 56% strongly agree. So 96% of evangelical respondents affirm the historical and biblical teaching of the Trinity, but then over half of those same respondents believe that Jesus was created by God. So what's going on here? What's happening? I think there are two things. One is that this is a predominant error of many um, cults. So there is just a wealth of teaching out there that, that endorses this belief system. And I think the Trinity is hard, secondly. Sure. To wrap our minds around. What? And so It's a mystery. <laughs> Great is that mystery. And so there are statements in the Bible that are sometimes difficult to wrap your mind around as far as the, how Jesus Christ was begotten but not made. Right. And and a part of it, you know, Josh and I were talking off air beforehand, how the fact is Jesus is born. Uh, he was born into time. His human nature His human came nature into existence. Came into existence, and you know, like the Trinity is a mystery. Uh, Jesus, the Christ, is also a mystery because you have a being who's one hundred percent divine and one hundred percent human. And um, as God, the eternal Son of God, He's a creator of heaven and earth. Always mm-hmm. existed before mm-hmm. Abraham was. I am, mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, but then as Jesus of Nazareth, uh, you know, we had Derek Thomas in town and uh, I heard a lecture of his a while back that said, if you were to approach Jesus at the well and ask him to hum Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, he would just give you a blank stare because he can't speak English. (laughs) And so there were limitations that Mm -hmm. Jesus and his humanity had. But um, but yeah, he's not. You're a glass half full kind of guy, aren't you? Yeah, most of the time, depending on the day. How much sleep I get? But the idea of, and our confessions would say that God is truly man and truly God, um, but Jesus comes into time and space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think this adds to the confusion. Jesus Christ was born. Yeah. Yes. There was a point where he came into this he world. He was conceived by the Virgin Mary, yeah. or conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And so right. then mm-hmm. sometimes people then interpret that to mean that that's when right. the sonship of Christ began. Yeah. Right. And the, the scriptures actually talk about the eternal sonship. Yeah. Right. That that relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit didn't begin when Jesus took on flesh. Yeah. It was always right. true. And so to be gracious to the respondents, I there is there is some confusion that can happen because of that fact that Jesus was born. Well, I think it's important. Um, but that's you, not you, when he you was ta- created. You talked, right. to, you talked you, yeah. uh, earlier about the problem that some of it is not just the people, it's the shepherds. The shepherds, if there's something that comes out of these uh, conversations... It's that uh, pastors need to be discipling their sheep, that they need to be communicating the truth of God's word. You know, for instance, you know, right off from the beginning, you know, when we're talking about, you know, 
Jesus as as the eternal Son of God. For you know, you look at John one one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm -hmm. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. You know, we're talking about the eternality of the Son there. Um, Well, and what's what's at stake in this question, regardless of whether evangelicals got it innocently wrong or they've been trained wrong is the whole gospel's at stake mm-hmm. right if if uh, the lord jesus christ is not truly god and truly man um we absolutely cannot be redeemed it says in um, psalm 49 6 truly no man can ransom another or give to god the price of his life we right. need the god man we need mm-hmm. the god man that's right and you know i this is not some a new problem because you know we're we're going all the way back to uh, you know early church heretics arian and others you know who were called out um for those beliefs, I can remember in my very first church, um, you know, preaching a message, and some lady came up to me and who was an older Christian said, "You know, I didn't realize that Jesus was God." I'm, wow. I'm going. How is that possible? Wow. You know, um, she'd come from a, a rather Pentecostal background, and so maybe she picked up some poor theology yeah. at some point yeah. uh, but she did you know this was a statement that she made and i just was floored in a good scripture for that you know in romans 10:9 if you profess your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you'll be saved you know the term lord there it's it's packed with a lot of stuff of leading to yahweh the lord the covenant keeping mm-hmm. god who dealt with his people throughout the old testament Well, we are going to continue to dive into this uh, state of theology survey, so you're not going to want to miss the upcoming episodes. This has been The Gospel for Life. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, The Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. 